I look at multiple years of race data. I can give averages um, and historical data for those final qualifiers and breakdowns of the uh, different splits that, that made up uh, qualification times and the like. That Triathlon Show, episode 76. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I talk with Russell Cox on what it takes to qualify for Kona and uh, where and when it might be easier or harder to do so. We talk about how this varies from age group to age group and between genders, all sorts of statistics, really. And we also discuss what's required to win, place high, or be a midpacker at the big dance itself in Kona in various different age groups. But before that, this episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration. If you haven't already listened to Andy Blow, the founder of the company, on episode 49, you can learn a lot about how important hydration really is and how many ways there are that you can mess it up if you get it wrong. And Andy has tried all those ways uh, to mess it up, that is, after which he got tired of it, of it and learned everything there is to know about hydration and electrolytes and founded Precision Hydration. So to just get a quick individual race hydration strategy done for yourself, go and take their free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com and I'll have that link in the show notes and use the discount code Show, all one word, all caps for 15% off if you buy any of their products. All right, so a quick intro to today's guest, Russell Cox. He is the head coach of the Bristol and District Triathlon Club and he is a triathlon coach that can be found on his website coachcox.co.uk which we'll also link up in the show notes. And he is the producer of some amazing Kona and Kona qualifying statistics that we'll discuss today as our main topic to learn what it takes to get there and to perform when you are there. So it's a different kind of topic than uh, most topics that we've had so far, but a really interesting one, I think. I really enjoyed learning more about it, and uh, and I had no idea about what the specific times that you need in certain age groups were, but I know that many of you are really looking to qualify, and many of you are qualifiers already. You have been to the Kona several times, so... So this is very relevant for a segment of the audience at least. And even if you are not quite there yet, then uh, hey, if you have a dream, then you need to make it a goal. And the first step of making, of creating a goal is to make it specific. And then you need to know what it takes to get there. So this is getting that dream into a goal and making it specific. So let's dive right in and listen to this episode on Kona Statistics with Russell Cox. I'm here with Russell Cox from uh, Bristol, triathlon coach and uh, a really good guy with the statistics and the data, especially when it comes to Kona qualification and, and also results at the big dance itself. So Russell, welcome to that triathlon show. Hi there. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, it's really cool. I, we were just talking about how I somewhat by accident stumbled uh, upon your website, which I hadn't been aware of before. But you got plenty of really nice statistics there about how to qualify and and how you can expect to perform if you get there. So we have many listeners of uh, the show that uh, are interested in qualifying. Many have qualified already, but uh, and want to see how they can expect to perform. So let's just. Uh, start talking about that and with a broad overview first about how many qualify qualifying slots for Kona are available with the traditional route of qualifying and how do those break down between bigger and smaller races and regional championships and, and so on? Um, okay, so, I mean, total worldwide number of slots varies a little year on year. Uh, it's the, the overall number has gone up most years for kind of the last six or seven years. Um, and so the numbers you see in Kona have, have equally gone up. Um, right now, you're looking at uh, basically a, just over a couple of thousand slots spread out uh, around the world, if I remember correctly. Um, so those are broken down into... Uh, 80 slots, or certainly for the next year, it will be 80 slots for what are counted as championship races like uh, Frankfurt or uh, South Africa, Texas, the big ones there. And normally it's 40 for other races. Um, and uh, a few. What, what things might affect uh, it if it's something different than 40 for the other races? What factors? Uh, there's, there's one or two. I mean, there's no real fixed pattern as such um 40 is your standard for most races 80 uh, championships and then uh what you'd also have is sometimes newer races will come in with a lower number um uh so there's a f- one or two next year which have 30 or 25 slots um Ironman philippines uh is one example and then there's a few of the other kind of almost oddities in the sense they're not your standard races for qualification the the two chinese 70.3 races uh have 30 slots each as well um so generally it's 40 and 80 and then there are a few exceptional cases which look to be either uh iron man trying something out or or just you know giving a, a new race a few slots to see how it works out and what does that if we talk about 40 for one race how many age groups are there in total so so what's that per age group in number of slots so uh it will vary a little bit because obviously the at the very high end the the kind of 80 plus or, or 78 uh, age groups numbers will vary with races but you're usually looking at at least 10 age groups per uh, well, for men and ten for women, um, uh, the distribution is not you know equal per age group. It's uh, it's in relation to the number starting in each age group. Um, so you will see quite a bit of variance depending on your age and gender. Uh, basically, I mean, fundamentally, if if you're a woman looking to qualify for Kona, you would typically see one or two slots for your age group available. In championship races where more slots are available, that might go up to three, four, or even five, depending on the number of uh, who've entered in your age group. 
but generally you're looking at one or two so you have to be right there at the, the very front of your age group to to gain a slot uh if you're a man there's more slots on offer because the majority of athletes uh in ironman are male uh, uh so you'll typically be looking at uh at least two and it can vary i would say maybe four or five is the top end if you've got uh, 40 slots in the race and that can go up to 10 or 12 for the biggest age group uh, in the championships. Mm. Uh, so there's a bit more range uh, for those bigger male age groups, but obviously there's a lot more people in the age group. Yeah. And uh, you have, I guess this is a good point to mention that on coachcox.co.uk, which we'll link to in the show notes, you have a lot of these different reports, some summary reports and then race-specific reports on qualification. Yeah. What are the most important things that you that you track in, in those reports that listeners that are interested in qualifying might find the most useful? Uh, so, I mean, a lot of this idea kind of started out of the fact that when I was uh, racing and trying to qualify for Kona, uh, one of the things I would do, you would do is you, the race you've entered to qualify, you go and look at the past results and you start to try and work out uh, what sort of times people qualifying were doing. So at least you have an idea if it seems realistic to you. I mean, obviously there are lots of other variables involved, but that's, that's kind of fundamentally something that I, I think any age grouper considering qualification does. Um, and obviously coaching a lot of age groupers now and lots of people interested in this, uh, it's, a, it's a common question of uh, if I want to go to Kona, what time do I need to do? So probably the, the kind of the one that, that people most uh, or, or can go to quickest uh, of all the stats is the uh, is, is the final kind of automatic what I call the, the final qualifier or automatic qualification time, which is basically the idea that if there are five slots in your age group, the fifth place in your age group gives you the time you would need to automatically qualify. Um, so you would know that at that year, if you've been f at that time or faster, that would have put you in a place where you qualified. Um, now that does vary year on year. So one of the things I do on my site is I look at multiple years of race data. I can give averages um, and historical data for those final qualifiers and breakdowns of the uh, different splits that, that made up uh, qualification times and the like. So there's a, a much more detailed picture. But probably the first thing you, you, you would go to is that final qualifier because if you see a time like, uh, you know, uh, just looking at Ironman Florida's data here, as I've put that up today, uh, if you're a 30 to 34-year-old male, you need a, a, you know, the final qualifier uh, did a 901.47 by my calculations. Uh, so you'd know there that in that age group, you're going to need to be right, about nine hours for an Ironman um, or specifically for Ironman Florida if you have a chance of qualifying. General trends in qualification, are there any patterns that you see now that you've been following it? And and are there different trends and patterns in different age groups and genders? Uh, so, I mean, I think it, it, it's an area which... Uh, I look at a little bit. Uh, I have uh, certainly in terms of trends over time, whether qualification is changing 
uh, is one area I look at. Broadly, uh, if you're between the age of 30 and and 50, that's when qualification is the most competitive for you. Um, below 30 years, the younger age groups uh, tend to be, I feel, a little less competitive or rather there tends to be one or two particularly good athletes and not so much density, whereas once you get into like the 30s and the 40s, uh, there's a much greater density of athletes with the potential to qualify. So those times get tighter uh, around that qualification. Um, and similarly, as you get older, you obviously start to see uh, declining times overall um, with the occasional exceptional outlier. Uh, the other thing you probably see is with women, uh, uh, female age groups, you find that particularly because there's only going to be one or two slots, there's a lot more of a sense where it comes down to individuals on the day. There can be exceptional individuals turn up and just one of them needs to turn up and they take the slot, uh, um, whereas the bigger male age groups, for example, there's a bit of a buffer when you've got six, eight, or even 10 slots available, it will give you uh, a little bit more breathing room, as it were. You don't, doesn't matter if there's an exceptionally fast athlete taking the first place. If you're a decent athlete with the right sort of uh, level of performance, you still have uh, a good chance. Um, in terms of over time, I think the big change here has actually been while the number of slots have increased, the number of competitors has been increased, increased generally in Ironman and the spread of slots over more races has thinned out the number of slots available in each race. So if you go back about a decade, you'd find that your large championships races might have 18 slots, maybe even 20 slots for the biggest age groups. Um, Whereas now it's it's you know much lower numbers available, um, and that means that again there's it's that narrowing of available slots means you've got to be right in there to qualify. So I don't think the top performers in age groups have massively changed in the last seven eight years. There's not been an ongoing improvement in times. There certainly has been in the past, but. Rather, the number of slots you might be competing for at any given race is is smaller than it used to be, and that means the competition's much stiffer in that respect. Is there also a bigger depth, or is the depth roughly the same as it's been in, uh, let's say, seven years ago? I think generally the depth remains much the same. Uh, I think one of the bigger trends I, I feel I'm seeing in the in the results data as a whole is there. It, it feels like there's a bit more separation now between your front of pack potential qualifiers and top age groupers in each age division and the kind of middle to back of pack, the the people uh, racing in that, that bigger part of the field. It feels like where we've seen number entry numbers go up, that hasn't impacted as much at the front in the sense of making that grow in size what it seems to have done is filled out that middle to back end of the of the kind of results distribution and, and, and added weight there. So what I tend to see is that the fastest times the top age groupers perform 
in similar ranges to what, what what I've seen before, but there looks to be a slight slowing at the kind of overall median time and, and the like as we get a bit more weight towards the back. Right. And what about uh, races, specific races or even types of races, regional versus small versus traditional? Uh, how does uh, the difficulty of qualifying uh in or the race type and race uh, impact impact on that and what's uh, where is it most e- the easiest to <laughs> to qualify so it's v- that's a the easiest to qualify question is the i think the hardest one to answer and actually while i i very deliberately never state a race as the easiest to qualify at on my website because i know that there would be people who would immediately kind of say no it's definitely not or you know there would be a lot of debate around it um i think there are variations between different races uh there are certainly ones i would encourage an athlete to pick over others generally i would say timing and location are the big factors that determine um how a race might pan out as a, a qualifier uh, by that i mean if it's an unusual time of the year very close to kona can help um or if the location isn't the most convenient for a lot of people and doesn't draw in the most competitive field that can help as well so those are things you might look to so a common one i i recommend uh for for my for athletes who are kind of close to it is Ironman UK it's a local race for us it's in our country but um it generally I would say it's not the most competitive I certainly wouldn't describe it as an easy qualifier um but I think it's a different experience to for example going to Frankfurt which has a lot more slots but attracts a very competitive field um so there are choices like that uh but you also have to bear in mind that when you look at this data and you try to work it out, so are lots of other people who are trying to qualify. And I think that can affect it as well. If you spot what you think is an easier qualifier, you can probably be pretty sure that uh, quite a few other people have. Um, so uh, one example would be uh, I'm in South Africa has sometimes been considered a slightly easier choice to qualify at. Again, it's got 80, it's a championship, it gets 80 slots, but it's a mostly local field racing there. But then some years, uh, there's been a big influx of European athletes, American athletes, uh, and it looks like they've come to chase slots and the slot times came down with that, the qualification times came down uh, that year. Um, so, you know, there it might have appeared that this might be an easier choice because the times looked uh, relatively uh, manageable. But then lots of other people saw it, came there, and suddenly those times come down or the the density at the front of the race increases and it, it isn't what you expect. Um, and and I, I guess that we, we, sh- we need to take into account or we should – encourage anybody listening and wanting to to get a slot to not just look at what looks like an easier relatively easier race but actually can you perform in that race if ironman yeah. malaysia looks like an easy race to perform, oh, but you're terrible terrible in the heat then it's probably not so easy for you to qualify at that race and that's for definitely no that's a that's a that's a good example of um if you look at some of those races like malaysia uh in hotter and humid cl- climates they 
can look a lot less competitive because obviously the times look a lot slower. Um, and to be, if you are a fast athlete and you can handle heat and humidity well, they may be a very good choice for you. Uh, but for a lot of athletes, uh, it, it really wouldn't work well at all. And, and I would say one of the things I see in results, the biggest the biggest factor in terms of affecting a, a, a result set for a race and kind of slowing a race down is always heat. Of, of all the things I see, um, if a race has a particularly hot or humid year, you will see that effect immediately in that year's results when you compare them with, with previous years. Um, so that's a massive one for for athletes to consider. I, it, if you can't handle heat, be very careful picking a hot race. Yeah. And you talked about that uh, last automatic qualifying time as being being one very useful thing for mm. the listeners. And actually, uh, I didn't send this over in the questions to you, but maybe you have it in front of you anyway, okay. uh, because uh, it was my mistake. I should have. Uh, do you have any examples for a few of the more common age group, like the 30 to 34 male and female and 45 to 39, uh, 45 to 49 male and female for just one example race about what that final qualifying time has been, just to, to give the listeners a rough idea. Let's pick Ironman Frankfurt, for example, or, or what, whichever race you, you want to pick, if you can, can bring up those numbers. Right. So I just pulled that up off the website. It's easy enough to, to find. So Frankfurt is a fast race. Um, it's a championship race, and it's always drawn a fast field. So looking at the data, um, typically in the 30 to 34 uh, age group, you're looking at eight slots on offer. Um, and if I go to eighth place, which would be my outside automatic qualifying time, the last two years, it's been around nine hours, one minute uh, in eighth place at Frankfurt. Uh, and if we take an average over uh, over 10 years of data, around 9.14 is, is where you would need to be in 30 to 34, uh, male 30 to 34 to qualify um, with eight slots on offer. And what about the females? So for the women, uh, you find that. So women get two slots. Uh, even at a championship race, uh, they won't get many. In actual fact, it's interesting. If you look at the – generally in Europe, 10 to 15% of a field is uh, uh, is made up – is women, uh, and the rest is men. So in Europe in particular, slot numbers for women tend to be quite low. Um, so there, this year, it was a 10.07 to come second in that age group, and the year before, it was 9.55. Um, and the average – kind of for over a decade of data is is 10 10 hours seven minutes uh for second place right and what are those numbers for the 45 to 49 age group so for 45 49 so one of the bigger age groups they would probably have around 12 slots in the male age groups uh, in the men, for men uh and there we're looking around uh, this year was 939 the previous year was 928 and the kind of average is around 951 Mm. Um, so you start to see and the ladies yeah and the ladies there is uh, there it's uh, was 10.25 this year 10.06 the year before uh, and average around 10.54 but it's worth saying with that average uh, where I'm looking at over a a decade of data there 
the older results are probably pulling that down a little bit. So in recent years, it's probably a bit more like a, a 10.35, 10.40 um, if we looked at the last five or six years. Yeah, yeah. Seems competitive to me, so uh, yeah. people need to do the training. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Frankfurt is always a... Frankfurt's an interesting choice. I have recommended people race there and qualify there, and I have had people be successful doing that. You do need to be a, a very strong, confident athlete of those sort of times to to do it because there will be a, a lot of competition turning up um, uh, to get slots at Frankfurt. Yeah. Finally, you have uh, statistics on the actual uh, Kona results yep. themselves as well. So, so how about we talk about those times again for a couple of age group, like the two age groups we we have already talked about, and uh, what were you have the 2017 results? Uh, I believe I looked at them on yep. a blog post. What were the winning and the median, and the times required to finish in the top 20? in uh, in those age groups uh okay men's and, and so if you wanted to finish first in the uh, 30 to 34 age group in kona this year it was uh 90438 um the median uh over so the whole age group as a whole was uh 110156 um uh, when you say age group as a whole, you mean that age group? Yeah, all uh, of that age group, uh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, 20th place in uh, 30-34 was 9-27-55. Mm. Um, okay, uh, so 45-49, yep. it was a 9-18-43 to win uh, and a 9-49-53 for 20th uh, place. Uh, and the median in that one was uh, 12.04.23. Yeah. And the ladies? For the women, uh, winning the 30-34 age group was a 10.08.50. Uh, and 20th was a 10.47.01. Uh, and the median was uh, 10... 10.0409. That is a miscalculation on that one. I'll have to check the number on that one. Uh, <laughs> there must be something that's thrown that number out. Um, oh, wait, a wrong column. That's what it is. Wrong column. Sorry, 11.0156. So, so going back, I've been looking. <laughs> my table is women first, men second. and I, So I've got my one table's one way, the other's the other way. So the women's median was 11.0156 in that age group the men's medians i gave you were slightly wrong i'll come back to them right <laughs> uh yeah sorry my two tables are in different orders right uh we'll, we'll, we'll link to this again for the listeners in in the show notes yeah. so you can go and look at your age group and and everything but yeah but this is just to give some some rough idea about what what's to expect and yeah and uh yeah i think the thing some, i'd say more information about what you can find on on, on russell's website yeah so for female 45 49 we've got a 10 17 31 to win and 20 for 11 12 17 and getting the right column it's the number of game before the median is 120423 um i think you know with with kona it is a very skewed race it's selected entry lots of fast athletes um making up the bulk of the field so it shifts medians it shifts those top times 
down basically makes them faster than you'd see it pretty much any other race. Yeah. Um, despite relatively, you know, what is a, a tough, it's not really a tough course, but the tough conditions in particular to race in the wind and humidity kind of make that course more challenging. Mm. Um, so let, let's talk about the, the splits as well, because you have statistics for them. So maybe just do one one age group category. I know you can pick pick any category that, that you want for, for Kona. And uh, the men's and women's swim, bike and run splits, like if you have, I think you have median splits. Uh, is, is that what you have? And, or yeah. do you have top splits? Yeah, me- median I think is good for, for this. I, could, I, uh, I can give you both median and a range if you want, but uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so- well, Whatever makes for good listening, you decide. <laughs> so, if I what I do is I do uh, male forty to forty-four. That's the biggest age group at pretty much every Ironman race. I don't think there's anywhere it isn't. In actual fact, it's uh, that that's the bulk of your Ironman triathlete uh, field, basically. Um, mm. So, using this year's numbers, the median swim time for that age group was one hundred five thirty-four. And uh, yeah, non wetsuit, so it's pretty yeah, fast. Non wetsuit, so that's that's decent. Uh, that is uh, good going. I would imagine that you know that you're looking at sub one hour swimmers in a wetsuit at most other Ironmans coming in at that sort of time. Um, the fastest time I've got there uh, is a forty eight thirty two, um, which is uh, interesting. It's one of those ones where. Probably fine. I'd, I'd always, uh, sometimes when those numbers come out, I double check the results, make sure there's nothing weird about mm-hmm. that particular result, but uh, likely to be, you know, uh, former swimmer of some of some description. Yeah. Uh, the longest was a 155.57. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth remembering with, with the times, particularly the longest, while it's a selective field, obviously some people have a bad day, plus people get there via lottery, uh, well, not lottery now, but a legacy mechanism and the like, which means that not everyone there uh, is necessarily a, a qualifying athlete or at the same level. Um, then on the bike, a 5.17.57 is the median bike split. Uh, again, that's, you know, that will be a, uh, a pretty respectable bike split at most races. Uh, Kona obviously ha- occurs under hot conditions and lots of wind. Um, yeah. We have a four forty three forty three as the uh, the fastest split, um, and uh, an eight hour seven minute forty eight as the slowest. Um, so you know it's quite. There are, you know, you will see the fastest bike splits in some of the age groups are, are kind of closing in towards pro territory. Um, uh, and I guess you you can all, often have that, those cases on the swim and even on the bike and the run of former professional athletes yeah. in a single sport coming over yeah. and to and, age and triathlons. And I certainly, I see, yeah. I, I remember, I couldn't tell you the race or the particular, I remember I've seen athletes where I assume they were a former uh, cyclist where I, I've seen an athlete, I think in Austria with uh, like a 435 bike split or something ridic- ridiculously low for an age group or incredibly fast. But then, you know, the, the run was uh, almost as long as the bike. Um, so sometimes with that as well, what you see is this exceptional bike followed by, um, yeah, not such a strong runner um mm. 
but equally, you know, in these competitive age groups, it could well be that that's our age group winner. Um, yeah. All right. So, I, I guess it, this this gives us, or yeah, go go on if you had something that I've you were got, about to say. If, if you want, the the only other one to add is the run was a, a three fifty nine thirty one. So actually, you know, you can see there the run performance. Uh, I would say the median run time shows you uh, people putting a lot more into the bike and not doing so well on the run really as I, i'd say a 517 in kona versus a 359 that you know that there's a bit of disparity in those two performances yeah. uh but but you know the run conditions could be very tough in kona as well mm. yeah i think this gives, gives a great overview of what sort of information that you have and uh we again encourage anybody interested to go and have a look at that in more detail for their specific age group because you have all those statistics uh, nicely available on your website uh so let's move into some rapid fire questions starting with what's your favorite book blog or resource related to triathlon uh so i would say at the moment i i use quite a mix of resources now um I, i i tend to you know social media has changed a lot uh of the way you 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 learn or get access to new ideas or information so you know following different things and and tracking different sites um if i think back uh there there are books like uh gordo burns going long and um uh uh joe frills triathletes training bible right when i started racing were were kind of the books that really acted as bibles to me and these days um i perhaps use a mix of sources you know and, and you do different courses and that as you train as a coach and do cpd as a coach that, that kind of bring in new ideas there um but i try and use a mix of things nowadays read different ideas evaluate whether i think they work think they might work for me you know or, or for my athletes mm. What's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Um, so uh, these days, I don't really compete much or at all. I mostly coach. Uh, but certainly when I was an athlete, the power meter on my bike was probably my favorite piece of equipment. Um, and now as a coach, it's certainly a very useful tool. I, I have to admit, as a coach, I do like the fact that uh, athletes – tend to come with Garmin watches by default now, or at least an equivalent. And it means you can always see if they've done what you've asked them to do uh, yeah. nowadays. Uh, that That's probably the big thing. So personally, I, I love my power meter and training on the bike with those numbers uh, when I was more competitive. And then these days, I, I guess the, the GPS watch on my athlete's wrist is the, the main thing I like for making me, letting me know what they've done. Yeah. Finally, what's a personal habit that uh, helped you as an athlete achieve success? Uh, so I would say, uh, thinking about this, I think I would say patience. Um, in that, you know, there are lots of different factors that obviously go into it. Uh, for me, for uh, taking the example of Kona qualification, it took time to get to that level. Um, and it was about keeping at a process patiently even when you weren't always getting that immediate result um i think a lot of athletes ask me about kona qualification and 
they come in and they go, oh, you know, the dream is to qualify for Kona. Can I do it in one year? Can I do it in two years? You know, this sort of thing. And it, it's a very big question. Generally, you're going to need some time to get there and you need the patience and willingness to keep working at it. Uh, even if you're not necessarily uh, making that breakthrough right when you hope to. Perfect. That's a great way to end. And uh, you can be found on your website, yep. coachcox.co.uk. And you're on Twitter as well, at Russ M. Cox. Yep. And we'll have that linked in the show notes. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we close this interview? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> No, if people want to come and have a look at my website, uh, that's great. Uh, there is lots of stats there. Um, every so often, there'll be new stuff coming up when I come up with a new way to look at data. And I'm always open to questions uh, and uh, uh, ideas around that data. If someone comes up with something that I think will be useful on the site, I'm quite, I will, will try and incorporate it. Brilliant. All right. This has been Coach Russell Cox. Thanks for coming on the show, Russell. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks for, yeah, thanks a lot for spending all the time and energy to do producing all those reports and statistics because, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of work and sweat and some tears maybe even. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's it's a great resource for all the age groupers out there. So do go and have a look. And, and thank you again for, for that uh, investment of energy and time. No problem. Thank you. There you have it. I hope that you found that uh, useful if you are looking to qualify at some point to Kona. And uh, you can find the show notes, including the statistics that we mentioned on thattriathlonshow.com. But uh, probably even better is to go directly to Russell's website and his posts. Uh, we have those on uh, the show notes page linked up so you can go directly to the relevant posts. And uh, yeah, check it out. Look at what the results required in your specific age group are at different races to qualify and what uh, you need to do to be competitive at uh, the race itself in Kona. So I want to quickly mention a piece of great news. I've been selected for Stride's Power Coaching Group, which simply means that I am a coach that's actively working with athletes using the Stride running power meter and trying to bring this new and exciting field forward. Uh, so I tend to use WKO4 for most of the analysis as, that, as that's the most powerful software there is uh, or tool there is in general for running power analysis. And I've now started to offer running power consultation sessions either as a sort of a Skype session or I can create reports so that you don't have to be present for the session. And uh, I do this even for athletes uh, outside of those that I coach on a one-to-one -one basis. So if you use a running power meter and you're interested in getting just a one-off uh, consulting session or a performance report, then you can get in touch with me on michael at scientifictriathlon.com. And that's Michael with a K. And you can learn more about what different things you might get out of that and how it can benefit you and your, your running and make you improve because that's always the end goal to make you faster. It's not about getting pre-charts into your hand. That means nothing without actionable advice and action steps to move you forward towards your goals, which might be Kona if you're listening to, to this episode. So I think that might be a good investment in, in that case. Thank you to Precision Hydration for supporting this podcast Go and take the free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com to get your personalized hydration strategy for your racing and even your training 
and use the discount code that triathlon show all one word if you buy any of the products and that will give you 15% off that purchase thank you as always for listening keep training smart and keep loving triathlon